Hey guys, welcome into the Bear With Us podcast. I'm Jack, he is Frank. Uh, today we're actually going to be talking some Bears, finally. I know a lot of people have been uh, wanting us to get back to that a little bit, but there really wasn't anything to talk about. So, Frankie, got a couple of things that have happened since our last episode. Uh, let's start with the most, I guess you could call it important, as of for the Bears' future, uh, last week it was reported that the Bears had actually been uh, talking with the town of Naperville in, in regards to potentially getting a stadium built there. Arlington Heights and the Chicago Bears aren't quite seeing eye to eye on uh, who should be paying for the fucking stadium. Should it be people like me who live in Arlington Heights or should it be the uh, billionaire owners who own a football team and, and people like myself won't see any of the profits? Uh, probably I would lean a certain direction, Frank. I'm curious what do you think about this? Like they, the Bears spent two hundred million dollars on the on the, the the property, the Arlington racetrack already. They've started demolition. They basically said hey, the land isn't worth what we thought it was. Let's look elsewhere. Let's explore other options. Frank, what is this? Do you think this is real? Are you upset? Are you mad? Are you just like, who cares? What do you think? I mean, this is very clear to me that this is just a negotiation uh, a negotiation tactic. Um, they're, I, I think they're a little bit too deep into the development of what they have going on. I think they've had too many talks, you know, they spent too much money already to, to absolutely let it go. But I, I think you leave that door open too. if Naperville or if someone else says, Hey, we'll do exactly what you want. And maybe this piece of land is better. You do leave that open to actually leaving, but they're just building, um, they're, they're building leverage. That's all that is. Like I, that, that was the, the clear play to me. And, and the only um, sort of pushback that I saw from that is what was, I don't know if I saw it on Reddit or Twitter or what, but they were like, well, if everyone knows it's leverage, then it's not real leverage. And it's like, that's not true. Every, I mean, it's the same thing. People try to say that about the Bears as the number one pick. If everyone knows they're not going to get the number one or they're not going to draft a quarterback, why in the world would anyone trade up to number one? And here comes the fucking Panthers. Like, here's your wide receiver one and, and multiple <laughs> first round picks. Like, this is what you this is what you do. Um, be, because again, I, you know, it's not finalized to go there. So what do you do when the deal isn't all to your liking? You go elsewhere and see if you can get something done. Uh, whether that is because, um, you know, you think you can find something that is a better deal, better land, uh, whatever the the sort of deal is uh, with taxpayer dollars. Or to bring it back, you know, to, to actually do it or or to, to bring it back to them and say, look, they're going to do this. And even though we've invested 200 mil or whatever it is, that's a drop in the bucket. Like, we will go here. Um, and, you know, you sort of bring that back to the negotiation table. But I, I think really the last thing, Jackie, that you touched on, because I have seen that. And I think anyone who knows me on any sort of personal level knows that I side with you here of like, why are taxpayers even remotely paying for a, a dime of this, right? It should be the the the, the billionaire owners. But... Has that ever happened in America? I, I don't. I mean, I think every the deal that the Bears are looking for are is, is the exact deal that every other team and every pro sport does. It's always been taxpayer stuff, and you know, here's where it gets to be way over my head. I'm not an econ guy. I don't really know you know much about anything in that lane, but I know it's like something to do with like property taxes and and uh, I don't know. They put like voucher. I, don't, I was reading. I was trying to keep up with this. Twitter uh, thread that was sort of breaking down what different ways that you can do and what the, the city is trying to, and I was like, I, I was sort of lost, but all, all in all, I, I do know that every single stadium is built using that format, correct? Like there's never been a stadium that's like the billionaire is like, nope, fuck it, I'll foot the bill. Like, let, let, let's do it. It just doesn't happen. Well, uh, a perfect example is the Bills just yesterday. Uh, well, not just yesterday, but they were uh, there to break ground on their new stadium. In, in New York, the state of New York is providing eight hundred and fifty million dollars in public funding. And that's what I mean. One of the best deals in the history of sports, socialized cost, privatized profit. That's a tweet from Andrew Brandt, who is uh, kind of like an insider in the NFL. He's like an act. He, he used to work in the NFL. Um, I believe he used to work for ESPN, too. Uh, but, yeah, he he made he makes a great point. You know, the people are paying for this public stadium, but guess who's going to keep all the money? Yeah. The bills. It's absurd. And you know what that reminds me of, Jack? And not to get too far off course, but it's not like we have a robust, you know, uh, uh, agenda to get to today. 
but I watched it. Have you watched any of those? Um, there was a couple of documentaries that came out about the uh, the opioid epidemic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the one that I saw was it was a, a Netflix one. Um, the greatest greatest crime of the century, something's crime of the century. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, something like that. And th that was literally my first thought when they were talking about you know after the court cases, oh the state of whatever it was one or you know five hundred million dollars was paid out, and I was like, where does that? Who gets that money? Do the families get this money? Do the people who suffered from this epidemic, you know, uh, epidemic, get that money? Like, who, who, where, where does that money go? It's like monopoly at that point. It just goes to the state government, and what do they do with it? Like, what we have no idea where that money goes. And it's like the same thing here. Like, here goes all of our taxpayer dollars. Here's your new stadium. We get nothing from that. You get the tourism money dollars. However, I've never I mean, but seen. Let, let you know yeah but like and it's like let, let, let's let's live in the world though that that would affect people <laughs> outside of like local or state government that may help like locally owned restaurants or hotels motels right like that's still a small percentage of people that that you're helping and you probably you probably took more money out of their pockets than you i mean you know what would how long would you take to get out of the red there if you were actually like itemizing out i paid this amount of property tax for the land that I own for my restaurant or my business or whatever. Here were the profits that I made. And how could you even like tell like, well, X percentage were from tour. You know what I mean? Like you, like, it's just silly. I, I don't, I don't understand it. I've never received a check in the mail other, any other time than when I do my taxes in the, every April. That's, yeah. that's the only time I ever see a check back for putting stuff in. Nothing ever feels like it's uh, goes down in cost, which is what you'd expect if, you don't have to pay as much in taxes because they're generating so much revenue from the stadium. I mean, it's just, it's, it's silly is what it is that you expect. And, and Arlington, good on Arlington Heights for basically saying, nah, fuck you guys, ba build your own fucking stadium. And you know what? If the McCaskies can't afford to build the stadium, sell to someone who can. Yeah. That, I, that should pretty much be the, the, like, I just, I don't, I don't like, the public having to fund their own stadium, especially when it's like forced on a town. Not not saying that the Bears necessarily are, but like I don't decide where the Bears go. Right. right? So the people people who've been living here for 10, 15, 20 years never would have thought the Bears would come to Arlington Heights. And now that they are, they're the ones who are going to have to pay for it because the Bears deemed it as the location is viable. Yeah. I just don't get how that makes sense. I mean, you 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 would think because well, firstly, I I agree with that, but again, I I only revert to my point, and it's not to rebut by any means, but like the Bears, the McCaskies aren't the only family or the only ownership group doing this. I, no, again, I I don't. Think, I was just using them as an example. Oh because, no, absolutely, you know, and and again, right on on its face, I totally agree with you. But then, sort of digging a little bit deeper, like. Why wouldn't there be you? You have a a, a club of of thirty two billionaires. Well, may, maybe more if um you know there's an ownership group for different. It's you know it's not just one person that owns it. But right. I mean, let's just say 50, 60, whatever it is, uh, billionaires. Why aren't y'all like partnered with, I don't know, Chase or, or or like some sort of bank that gives you these sort of loans, you know? And I, I mean, maybe you sort of socialize it from there. You socialize it between the fifty billionaires who all have ownership shares you know, in these 32 teams instead of like just normal, regular people. I mean, because they're realistically, you have people, you know, who don't watch football that, that like that are paying for that. Like, you know, I, I guess what I'm saying is maybe if you were to crowdfund from people who were like, oh, we're going to go to games, we're Bears fans, we support this move. I still would be against it. Like, why are you taking from people who don't have nearly the amount of money as you? But at the very least, you're, you know, you're getting money from people who like the move. But realistically, you're also taking from people who, don't give a fuck about either the bears themselves or this movie. They don't care where they go. So it's like you all have, I guess what the ultimate point I'm making is you all as these billionaire owners have this vested interest, figure it the fuck out. Whether that means the, the family itself has to buy it or you all come, you know, a, a, as the corporation as some sort of agreement or deal with a bank that can give you a no interest loan or. Well, and it's not like they're not getting any partnerships either to your point. Like the, cause, cause the whole thing is that it's not just going to be bears games, right? The whole point of the stadium is, is to bring yeah, in NCAA too. tournaments. It's to bring in concerts. It's so Taylor that Swift. Taylor Swift can come, you know, right down the road from from Soldier selling out Soldier Field, and then boom, pop over to Arlington Heights, where a lot more people are probably well, more. There, there's going to be a horse track her. too, isn't there? There's going to be racing and there, shit. 
there's going to be a lot. There's going Gambling. to be a ton that this stadium, uh, a built-in probably casino, I would imagine, uh, or at least you know some sort of place where you could go and, and place your bets, things like that. And so it's not like it's just the McCaskies. They're they they have those partnerships. I think it's just interesting that you know socialism is terrible, horrible, all the way bad until the billionaire owners do it, and then everybody sticks up for them because they want their football team near their house. Like, can we just can we just admit that socialism is how these billionaire owners like you know keep all of their money and everything? No, we don't want to admit that. Okay, we'd rather talk about how Justin Fields is a running back. Got it. No problem. <laughs> no problem. I got gotcha. you. And that sports back to you, Jim, for the weather. (laughs) No, but let's let's be real. The Bears will be in Arlington Heights. Like, I I just find it hilarious that the the first town that was reported was Naperville. And Naperville was like, listen, we don't have the space for it, but we'll knock down literally any building you (laughs) tell us. And we'll and we'll build whatever you want. You tell us. You tell us what we'll build good stuff but it's you know what stuff. though I, I i do wonder th- th- this i i did think there were some pretty good conversations um on twitter that i saw bears twitter anyway um revolving around this does this potentially leave the door open for chicago to say hey here's a space of land and you know you can actually own it because it's not going to be soldier field they're not going to renovate it that that's off the the table but people were actually like identifying uh pretty big pieces of land by the lake i don't know who owns it if it's just the city or whoever else but um Potentially, is that is that you know maybe Brandon Johnson's way in? Yeah, I mean it's not unrealistic if they can get a good size. And again, if they do own every, because that that's that's the biggest issue, right? They want to own everything. They don't yep. want to just own part of it. They want to own everything. That was the whole the whole point of them wanting to get out of the city. Um, I don't know, man. I I just think the Arlington Heights stuff, you already spent $200 million. What are you going to do, flip it? Just just sell what you bought for a fraction of the price? Like, what Like what other, what other association is going to buy that land? That's my question. Like, who else is going to want that much land? Like, the White Sox? They're not fucking paying for that shit. Jerry Reinsdorf will not ever move. His stadium deal that he has is is literally it's just it, it doesn't matter who goes to games. His stadium is literally bulletproof. Why would he move? There's no other Chicago team that's looking to move. The Cubs have obviously done all of this renovation at Wrigley. The United Center isn't going anywhere. What other organization could use that much land? I just I don't that, see it. That much land? I don't think any other one, but I think one that would be looking for land potentially would be the Chicago Fire. Um, that's a little bit of, I don't want to say inside info, but uh, the organization that I work with is working with their nonprofit, and they talk about, they've been talking about moving for years. They hate where they're at right now. Uh, yeah, I, I don't, don't know even, the location, I couldn't even tell you where but, they're at. But even then, so. like, they don't need, they would buy, like, maybe half of that. They would need a parking lot in yeah. the stadium just like they have now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think the Arlington Heights stuff is is too much down the road. I think we're already pretty much I think we're pretty much already past that point. You don't spend two hundred million dollars and then just say, you know, so our Arlington Heights will, will have to make a decision you know, a decision whether or, or they could they could uh they could let the Bears basically say, All right, well, I mean you gave us two hundred million dollars. We'll use that elsewhere. And good luck. And then they'll they'll move on. You, but you know um, what though, I, the the deal is going to get done. There, it, it's yes. going to move there. The taxpayers are going to pay for it in some form or fashion. I, the only thing I don't know, this is where like my ignorance comes into play. And people who probably are in this field, based, you know, they're going to listen to this first however many minutes and be like, these guys are fucking idiots, and because we're not experts either. Well, but I do. I do. Anyways, regardless. That's true. But I do wonder. This has to be a negotiation tactic on their end. What what does the city, what does that county want, you know, the Bears to concede on, I wonder. that That's the part where I just have no idea about land ownership from, from the city and who does what with, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to we'll have to see. Um, but in the meantime, we do actually have some Bears things that we did want to discuss. 
Frank. The OTAs took place, uh, voluntary OTAs. There were some news and notes. Kevin Fishbane wrote an article on The Athletic, so we just wanted to kind of go through his. Uh, he listed seven big, important things he brought up, so I figured we should talk a little bit about that. Um, so let's go ahead and get into some football news, because uh, that's you know obviously what people are probably more here for, as opposed to talking a little bit more about the stadium. First things first, before we get started, can, can like is there anything better than like while you're sitting there watching stupid baseball and getting pissed because both of the teams in this town just fucking suck and everything's a joke and no team is good in this city and it's horrible and awful and just bad. Is there anything better than seeing a, just a clip of, of Justin Fields just throwing a strike to DJ Moore for a touchdown? Listen, that, that connection, that's going to be a fantasy championship winner. I think people are, it's weird because I feel like people are sleeping on DJ Moore a little bit. And I think obviously that comes with how you feel about Justin Fields as a passer. Uh, but I agree. I, I, I've, I've liked what I've heard. They've, they've talked about the connection they've already been building in OTAs. It's going to get that much stronger. Obviously we'll see kind of, you know, how they implement him in that offense, but I don't know. I just like seeing little quick highlights of, Same. uh, well, that, I mean, the guys that I want to see catch, catch and touchdowns. No, I, I, I agree with you. And the thing is, is um, I think it was Hogue, Adam Hogue tweeted out. And he, I know they, they both said this on their podcast that, you know, the coaches are saying the, the right things are saying what they always say. Um, but much to their, you know, surprise, like they were like, what we saw in these open practices was that. Yeah. And, and, you know, and they were like, we saw this with, you know, when people would say, oh, Jay Cutler's finally turning that corner. And we went and we're like, ah, he looks like the same guy. You know, and then Mitch, he's taking that next step. And it's like, this looks worse than last year. Um, <laughs> you know, and like not, not much was said in last year's OTAs. This is a new regime. They didn't really know what they had. So it was more of like, we're going to work hard and the hits principle stuff and all that was there. But now you got these guys saying, Justin looks better. This offense is, you know, in year two of this system. And, and they, you know, they would <laughs> straight up were like, we weren't expecting anything. But what we saw on the field was very, very good. And I think it's easy to chalk it up and say, oh, it's just OTAs. And that's true. But what's happening right now is better than to than if it were to be like, well, they look even worse than last year. Or they look the exact same. Like, pro- progress is going to show in many different ways. And OTAs is just the first step. So, obviously, you're going to want to see what they look like in, you know, uh, the preseason. Obviously, once we get in the regular season. Or even, like, the joint practices, if they're going to do that again this year. Uh, you want to see progress all the way through. But again, like you, you, I don't get how, I mean, there are people who were just upset about it. Like, of course they're going to say that. And their coaching staff is just like hyping people up. And it's like, sure they are. But if you have reporters legitimately saying, yes, this looks different. This looks better. That's a good thing. It, it can't be a bad thing. Yeah. I I'd rather, you'd rather have the, yeah, this, this looks good as opposed to the, no, this, this doesn't look good. You know, I just, you'd rather have the positives coming through and, you don't want to you don't want to get too high like you were saying it is just OTAs they're not you know maybe 7 on 7 7 scrimmages there's not a pass rush there's not an offensive line typically it's just kind of throw it to the guys and, and see who makes a play um but i think you brought a perfect segue into uh something that the defensive coordinator for the bears uh Allen Williams said about Justin Fields that i think is really interesting cuz you kind of compare it to previous years previous regimes specifically Mitch Trubisky I'll get to him in a second but uh Alan Williams was asked what he saw or what he's seen so far from Justin Fields and he said leadership good decision making I see improved accuracy that's what you want in your quarterback and how fast he's processing from day one to right now I see how he's grown I think that's really important Frank and granted, yes, everybody hypes up your team. Nobody loses in OTAs. Nobody's bad in OTAs. Everything is great. Everything's awesome. It's just like the draft, right? You you just drafted seven Hall of Famers, maybe more, depending on how many draft picks your team had. But I think it's just the stark difference from years past where you think of like Vic Fangio when he was asked what he's seen improvement-wise from Mitch Trubisky, and he was basically like, I coach the defense. All right. I don't don't ask me about the quarterback. I'm not watching. I'm coaching the defense. Where it's like, okay, he probably was watching his defense absolutely just kick the shit out of the quarterback. <laughs> it was like, oh shit. Here we go. 
But the fact that Alan Williams isn't just talking about like, oh, you know, he just looks better mechanically or this or like he's specifically talking about how Justin Fields has improved his processing speed coming from a defensive coordinator. I think that's really, really important. No, I, I totally agree. And, and again, that's one of those things where the coaches are generally either going to give you a non-answer or a very positive answer at this time of the year, no matter who it is. I mean, there were quotes coming out about Mike Lennon, you know, when, when the Bears had signed him. Um, and, you know, it's it's better than what we thought, better than expected, better than advertised. And, oh, okay, you know, we get it. And um, But the, the sort of confirmation of that is when these, I mean, because the Chicago media can be very, very tough on people. I mean, even Hogan Johns, when they were there, they were ripping Mitch. And, and they're not mean people naturally, so they weren't like really digging in, but they were being brutally honest about what they saw in these practices, just him looking way behind, him looking Why like he makes zero progress. Off the TV? Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> you know, the, the the overall point that I'm making there is like, we, uh, you you can take the coach's words with a grain of salt, but when you compare that in this market to what the reporters are seeing, and it's similar things, those are I mean, those are drastically different sources. Coaches again are always going to be positive this time of the year, or or just like non-answer type of stuff. The reporters will not be. They're, they're they're not patient, especially not in Chicago. It's it's very similar to the New York market, where one little thing goes wrong, you're gonna get blasted. Especially this time of the year, where there's nothing else to talk about, you're gonna be on right. the fucking front page or back page, whatever it is, uh, of of the sports section on the Sun Times. Like, it just is what it is. And the fact that both of them are essentially saying the same things that's that's huge. Yeah, and I think it's too specific for it almost to not be at least true. And granted. It yeah. might be true. It still is just the OTAs. Maybe Justin is processing a little bit faster because there isn't, you know, guys rushing him. His offensive line isn't getting beat, things like that. But I think it sounds like his decision-making is is very much improved. And the answer was more detailed than just your traditional, he's taking it seriously. He's looks yeah. great. He looks, he looks, uh, he looks athletic. He looks, he's ready to thin. make the leap. Yeah, he's ready to make the leap, that type of shit. Uh, we did get from uh, from Tyler Scott, we got our our, our patent and uh, last one, our uh, first one in, last one out for Justin Fields. Uh, so good. We got that. We can check that box off that our quarterback is, in fact, staying late, getting there early. So we got that one. Frankie, uh, there was some other conversations to be had uh, in this article from Kevin Fishbane regarding the Bears OTAs. Starting with the number one thing, Frank, was unfortunately, I, maybe maybe fortunately, we'll, we'll get to it. I guess I shouldn't I shouldn't assume what you think. However, uh, we do pretty much have a hundred percent confirmation that Kyler Gordon will be solely focused on playing the slot corner nickel position in the defense this year. Frank, we talked about it a little bit during the draft. Uh, drafting a nickel corner over, you know, potentially game-changing wide receivers. Um, what do you think? Are, are you okay with Kyler? Have you come to terms with Kyler Gordon seemingly playing the nickel? Obviously, it's a very important position. We know Kenny Moore of the Indianapolis Colts uh, was uh, a pro bowler in, in that defense uh, playing that position. So we, un- we know that it's a very important role for the defense. How do you feel about Kyler Gordon seemingly having all of his growth more focused and the nickel. Well, I mean, I it sort of all hit me when the Bears drafted Tyreek Stevenson. That, that that was when it was like he's because Kyler played the nickel like 75% or 80% of his reps in game last year. Uh and that was when we saw a lot of Jalen Jones and we saw who who was the other kid that made uh, some decent plays at the end of the year. I'm blanking on his name. Um we we hated him before this year. And he, oh, stayed, uh, he had a couple. He had a couple solid games actually. Uh, now I'm gonna have to look it up. His, his, his name is uh, Kendall Vildor. Um, oh, there you go. And and it was because Kyler was playing pretty well as the third corner. Well, I don't want to say necessarily the third because the other thing is, is the Bears were in the nickel like 70 percent of the time. Like they, they were in it the majority <laughs> of the time. It's just a passing league. Um, I guess where I'm at, I, I've come. So I've come to terms with him being the nickel. I just, I don't know, you glance around the league and you see guys who are really good nickel corners and they're not all, like, highly drafted. That, 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 I, so I, maybe this 
you know, where where the league is at with it being such a pass-heavy league now and the rules continuing to, you know, cater to the quarterback and cater to the passing game, you know, maybe that's just what it's going to be. But I, I just, it's, I have a hard time believing you couldn't find a good nickel in the fourth or the fifth in one of these, you know, in one of these drafts. And I know you even brought up like the other corner that they drafted. They're high on him as well. I, I think you can find talent specifically for the nickel um, later than the second. But all in all, I, it, again, as soon as we drafted the corner in the second round this past year, I knew that that was what was going to happen. Uh, and maybe I was a little bit more upset than I should have been. But I mean, we, we weren't, when the Bears drafted Kyler Gordon, we were not sold that he was a nickel. He was drafted as an outside guy. Um, and then last year's OTAs, they saw he sprinkled in. He was a little bit of everywhere. You know, like, oh, maybe he's just going to be this versatile guy who, you know, really good uh, ball skills, and, and he's just going to be a playmaker. And, and he was there essentially all year from like mid-year on. And I, But the thing is, too, it's a, it's a double-edged sword, and I, I hate to be too harsh because that's when he started to shine, really, is when he started to essentially only be the nickel. Um, yeah. So, yeah. It is what it is. I'm like, I, I've accepted it. I, I don't think it's the worst of things because if you have really, if you have three really good corners out there, you're in good shape. But I, I, to be honest with you, I, I, I think it all depends on how good Jalen Johnson is. I, I don't know if he's one of the points later in the article. Maybe we touch on him a little bit later. But he's the he's the one that's going to drive everything. I he, he he I I equate him to DJ Moore. If he's a, a, a CB one, the other two I I, I love. I, I think talent wise, they're perfect for where they're at. If he's not, if he's not that good of a corner, if he has a drop-off year or he just continues to be hurt, I think we're going to be in bad shape. So there's a couple things that I, I think was really interesting uh, in regards to Kyler Gordon um, playing the nickel. One thing is that, he's, unfortunately, he's not going to play every single snap uh, unless they are maybe going to be a little bit more flexible with him on the outside, depending on how Tyreek Stevenson and Terrell Smith, their fifth-round pick, Terrell Smith, um, I think of his name. end up looking right? Kendall Vildor, if he makes that jump, and then Jalen Jones, uh, another guy that you and I came around to by the end of the year after he played a little bit better football. Um, it's just, if, if Kyler Gordon is one of their more athletic corners, one of their better defensive backs, can you really justify not having him on the field every single snap? That's kind of where I'm curious where that comes in. However, one of the things that I think Kyler Gordon did really well throughout the year and probably between him and Brisker ended up actually being two of the better blitzers on the team. Kyler Gordon, that's like one of his best traits and that, that we, I didn't really expect from last year, but he's, he attacks the football. He, he's a very good blitzer um, and he plays more physical than I thought he would have. So I think the nickel is a good spot for him. But I agree with you. I don't necessarily think that they needed to draft. I I'm curious about Ryan Pohl's process in his first draft, especially not having a first-round pick. Maybe he was just going best player available as opposed to you know worrying about necessarily the position because he understood big picture how much help this team was going to need. Um, it's just a difference of opinion between you and I uh, on, on what exactly that looks like. Um but that being said, I think this, if, if the skill set matches where they want him to play and he ends up taking a step and becomes one of the more productive nickel corners in the league, ultimately, you can't really be too mad about it, right? Yeah. I also, I, I also wonder how much of it was they did draft him to be an outside guy. And, I mean, we, we heard this a lot last year, and this is how Tevin Jenkins wound, wound up at guard was we are going to see who, who everyone's best position, where, where everyone fits best, and that's where they're going to play. And maybe that's just what wound up happening. They were just trying people out, and they were like, man, he's a, a good outside uh, corner, but he's an even better nickel, and we're just going to stick him there. And, and that could have also happened as well, because it, it sounds like that's what their process at least was year one. I don't know if that's going to continue to be the case, but they, they, they evaluated everybody to a point where, like, they were trying Larry Borum out at guard uh, yeah. during OTAs and such. So, you know... Maybe that's what wound up happening too. And if that is the case, I think that's more of a, a good thing than a bad. Speaking of Jalen Johnson, I know that that was something you brought up. He was the second uh, main subject that Kevin Fishbane brought up, his absence from OTAs. Luckily today, we actually had some resolution to that. Jalen Johnson is back to, at Bears practice at OTAs. He was out there last year, uh, entering the final year of his rookie contract. He was still 
working with the group, working with coaches, um, doing Zoom, things like that. So even when he wasn't there last week, he was still being a part of the team, which is something I really like. Um, they actually didn't. I don't. I don't think that Eberflus expected him to be there for OTAs. I think he more expected him to be around for mandatory minicamp. I think it's kind of great that he's at OTAs. Frank, were you worried that he wasn't showing up? Did you think there was anything really to it? What, what, do, you, what do you kind of think about Jalen Johnson not being there and then showing up a week later? Well, when I first heard it, I think you're always a little bit worried, especially because he's due for a contract. Is, is this you know a holdout situation? And, and particularly with him, I you know I don't know if he's really earned CB1 numbers. So unless him and his agent are being fair and, and sort of getting what I think and probably what the front office thinks at this point is fair, I think showing up is a good thing because you want to earn more money versus hold out for probably what you're not worth. Um, and, but then I, he, he went on the radio. I forgot what, what radio station it was, or it was some interview. I don't, I don't want to even say it was the radio. And he was just like, look, I, I've been a part of zoom meetings. I'm there. I, I still talk to my teammates. He's like, I just want to spend an extra week with my daughter. And I was like, I, I'm never going to knock that. Like <laughs> I, I'm a dad now. You're going to be a dad soon. Like, you know, at, at that point, the, you being engaged over zoom and everything is just a cherry on top. If you want to spend an extra week and skip man, uh, non-mandatory stuff, I don't think I have no problem with that, especially because you you sort of proved that to be right. You came when it was time for the mandatory portion. You haven't caused the ruckus. You're there. I mean, do your thing. You know what I mean? So I I, I can't lie and act like, oh, I was just a wait and see. When I first heard it, I was like, fuck, this is going to be another Roquan situation, isn't it? Um, and it just, it wasn't. I, I, I think he, I don't think he lied about anything that he said uh, on that interview that I saw. It had to have been a, a week ago now. Um, I mean, did you feel any differently? I mean, the one thing that I will say is uh, I don't think he had earned the the almost the right to necessarily do if he was holding out. Like at least when Roquan was doing it, Roquan had proven to be a product, uh, uh, a very productive player. I still think Jalen Johnson is, can be a very good cornerback. We just haven't seen him become like a like a star level player right. like teams would covet the way that they did Roquan Smith. Um so I, I was a little concerned about that, but I'm, I'm glad to see that it really feels like the culture of the team has has really has changed, um, which is great. I think it's super important. Again, it's June 6th. If, if missing one week of OTAs by Jalen Johnson determined the outcome of this season for the Bears or for himself, I think there are more problems uh, than, than we probably suspect. So... I didn't think it was really anything. Obviously, it wasn't. He's already back. Great to hear. One thing that maybe has a little more concern is the fact that Nate Davis, the new starting right guard that the Bears uh, picked up in free agency, uh, he was also missing from OTAs. And I was taking a look today. I was trying to figure it out. I don't see anything that suggested that he would be here today. Could still be recovering from injury. That he 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 uh, went ankle he went under uh, ankle surgery um, in uh, 2022, the end of 2022, and we haven't really heard anything. Uh, Matt Eberflus hasn't really said shit about Nate Davis, so I don't know, Frank. Are you a little more worried about Nate Davis missing than Jalen Johnson? Do you feel kind of the same uh, same as as that situation? Well, no, you you brought up my worry. Um you know, a, a brand new free agent not showing up to OTAs, you're not holding out for anything. That to me tells me that ankle that he had at the end of last year isn't where it needs to be. And and the fact that, you know, Eberflus or really Ryan Poles have even said anything about it, I think they're having him just not show up. Because to, to me, it would look worse that you're... You know, your new starting right guard is just sitting on the sidelines for OTAs, potentially with like a brace on. I don't know. I haven't seen him, you know, in, in public or anything, um, but just not practicing versus you you being at home and people just speculating what it could be. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit worried. I know it's super early, but the injury happened so long ago, you'd have thought, you know, he, he would be at the very least like participating in light warm up stuff or just being on the field. And yeah. Um, I'm a little worried there, Jack. Are, are, are you as well? Yeah. I, one quote from Matt Eberflus that I found interesting was, uh, he said, well, certainly we certainly feel a little bit more comfortable knowing he has been in the system. 
He knows the zone schemes, the down schemes, and really similar in terms of the line coaching. Obviously, his time in Tennessee, it's very similar to what the Bears do with Luke Getze. Uh, he did say, again, we'd like everybody here. We feel it's invaluable to be here. We'll coach the guys that are here. So that leads me to believe that, quote, that he just decided not to show up. I, I could be reading into it a little bit more. It, it, you, you could be spot on in terms of maybe they're just keeping him out of practice. But, like, I don't feel like that's something Eberflus, like, Eberflus wouldn't make it sound like he's, like, anywhere close to throwing him under the bus. Basically, like, he's not here, so we think it's important to be here. He's not here if he was there, right? If he was getting that ankle worked on, things like that. So that makes me a little concerned. Um, Cody Whitehair doesn't sound very concerned about it. Basically just saying he's a professional. He's played in the system. It'll be fine. Again, it's June 6th. But (laughs) the Bears' biggest issue was the offensive line. Yep. Right? And, well, the defensive line, I guess. You can just – the lines. Both lines were terrible. We've always heard, we always hear about how important the cohesion is for the offensive line. They really need to gel together. How many injuries did the Bears have on their offensive line last year with guys that they signed in free agency? And granted, they weren't, you know, nowhere near as as good, I think, as Nate Davis has been. But this isn't the first time the Bears have signed a guy in a free agency And he's dealt with injuries. You also think of, obviously, Tevin Jenkins' injury history. Lucas Patrick. kind of makes Lucas Patrick, Dakota Dozier, right? That that stuff makes me a little bit concerned that he's not practicing. Granted, again, it's June 6th. There's still plenty of time. But obviously, I would prefer, and it sounds like Matt Uberflus would prefer him to be there as well. Yeah, no, and that's why it's really just the injury. Because you just got signed. You're not sitting out, um, you know, looking for more money or looking for a trade. So, yeah, I mean, then again, I mean, it's, I know that um, there there may start to be more and more of that from year one to year two to year three, year four of this regime because veterans don't always come to this shit. They, they don't care about it. And he is a veteran who just signed a deal. So he, he has the leverage to like not come if he doesn't want to. I get why it's not the greatest look, but let's just say like Eberflus and this regime have so much success. He's here for like 12 years and year eight. He's not going to give a fuck that his veterans aren't there anymore. If Jalen Johnson isn't like on a second contract and he's a stud locking everyone down and he misses like who cares. Right? So I, I think he's saying that because of where they're at as a team in their development versus like, I think it's more about that than it is about, Nate Davis on his own, which why to me it's it's more about the the potential nagging injury. And it's not necessarily the worst thing, right, for veterans to miss practices because then you can get some more reps for yeah, younger guys. Um, the only other thing about the attendance, uh, Kevin Fishbane noted that a couple of guys were were there but weren't practicing, um, but they were present. So guys like Chase Claypool, Donta Foreman. Jack Sanborn, Lucas Patrick, Alex Leatherwood basically said guys get nicked up a little bit this time of the year. We're not going to risk anything. If they have something, we'll sit them out. So really, really no concern, it sounds like, for the guys who did not practice. Um, and again, the the fifth thing was the thing about Justin Fields. Uh, Alan Williams' comment on, on Justin Fields. Eberflus said that nobody's worked harder. As I talked about, Tyler Scott also said, hey, this guy's – you know, he's, he's I think it just sounds like he's really growing as a leader. And yep. I just think that's again, you'd rather hear that stuff than, <laughs> than not hear it. Right. Yep. No, I mean, and, and, but, and, but with that, though, Jack, I don't think they're lying that 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 um, the hardworking thing has followed him everywhere that he's been. Uh, do you remember when the Bears signed? Uh, Ryan Poles and he comes into the facility and Justin Fields was literally deadlifting. Like, I, I don't think that was for the media. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know if that was, I don't, I, it doesn't sound like that was planned. Like he was very, very impressed that this kid's like in the weight room, you know, doing his thing. And um, from the leadership aspect, I, I, I think, uh, I, I think we saw a lot of that last year. The few times that, you know, cameras cut to him, he, he was mic'd up. That wasn't his rookie year. Was it? I think it was last year. He, he was mic'd up for a game. Um, 
again, I, I think he has every reason to be more and more confident this year, being in year two of the system, him really not having to learn, you know, uh, as much. It's more about like solidifying what you know and taking it to that next level. So, yeah, you're right. I, I It's one of those things where, I mean, it's the same thing about what we're talking about, um, you know, the, with the Allen Williams quote, but it's like, yeah, they can say that, but when you have your teammates doing it, like they weren't doing this for Mitch. Like, and again, I hate that we continue to bring him up. Like, he's he's you know ha- having a good career as a backup now. He's going to be in the league for a long time as a backup. Got I think extended with the Got Steelers. extended with the Steelers. Him. You know, good for him. But we saw what it was like when it was faked. Oh, the locker room loves him, but then they were split because it, almost everyone wanted Nick Foles to start over him. Like. They, they know what they saw. Who who was asking for P.J. Walker, at least at this point, if Justin starts to stink up the place, I, you know, the, the locker room will o- o- always want the, the guy that they, that they think they can win with to start. But you're, you're hearing this from everywhere. And then you also take into account, like, so someone on Reddit put together this whole thread of, like, what opposing players said about Justin Fields, like, pretty much unprompted a lot of the times. And it's like, the league likes this kid. People like him. Like, they, they, that stuff does not go unnoticed. The hard work, the improvement, just the athletic ability, the talent as a quarterback. Like, these are good things to hear. You want to hear this about your quarterback. I mean, we went through a whole Jay Cutler era. And, like, the only thing that you heard were people praising his physical talents. Not about his hard work. Not about how much tape he studied. Not about being the first guy in, the last guy out. Like, we didn't hear any of that because it didn't happen. He, he, was, he was our version of Carmelo Anthony. All the talent in the world and didn't work <laughs> hard for shit. You know what I mean? And, like, I would much rather have this where people see it, notice it, and, and you know, take note of it. Yeah, and uh, one other person who, who made a note of it is John Hoke, the uh, new cornerbacks uh, coach and passing game coordinator. Uh, he was on the Falcons defensive staff last year, and they actually played the Falcons last year, if you'll remember. Uh, the first thing he said about Justin Fields was, he's an accurate thrower, especially with the deep ball. Stop the presses, Frank. What is this man talking about? Don't they know? Doesn't he know that he's a running back and he doesn't throw the deep ball accurately? Come on. Yeah, they clearly hired the wrong guy. Yeah, clearly. Uh, but he did say he's a, a little bit more impressive when you see him in on a day to day per on a day to day basis. So, I mean, that's more of the what you'd expect from camp, right? New coaches basically coming in and saying, you know, all the good stuff. But um, again, you'd rather hear that stuff than than what you know what you were just saying, where it's like. Yeah, I think Mitch has improved. Okay, what does that mean? I think we'll be better. Okay, got it. <laughs> uh, no, man, like you're you're spot on, right? And, and again, this isn't it's it's not it's not stuff we were necessarily waiting for, right? Like the Mitch stuff, we were always kind of like, all right, can Nagy get this guy to be more confident? Right. Like, can he get the confidence aspect? Can he make him realize how good he can be? We were kind of just always waiting for that type of stuff with Mitch. Like, is he the leader? We saw the postgame press conferences where he was just the definition of a robot. Just didn't give you anything into him as a person. But like with Justin, we've already kind of seen him be a leader, especially last year. Like, we saw him having a little more fun. We've seen him working hard. We've heard that he's worked hard for almost two years now. Like, this isn't anything new. But I think that the fact that he had such a improved season last year, I think he's really got these guys to buy in on him. And he continues to be the hard worker he's always been. And he's. I think it's, it's really, like you said, I think it's really starting to show. Yeah, and I think, I mean... We've also seen him not be robotic in press conferences. I I don't remember what game it was last year, but he he came to a press conference and he was very clearly distraught. He was very upset about what happened on the field. The Bears lost. Um, I I don't remember if it was a, it was a performance. It was it was during that hot streak or not. But he he was very upset. I, I remember that vividly. And he wasn't you know necessarily giving the best answers at the press conference. And then the very next day he comes back and he apologized. He didn't have to do that. He was like, you know what? I'm sorry, y'all. I was very upset. I let my I let my emotions get the best of me. I, I'll try not to let that happen again. But it's a very competitive sport, and I'm I'm a competitor. And we've been losing. I I think that it, uh, you know it was a bad game for him as well. And he was just like, so sorry, sorry that that happened. But I'm here now. I'm feeling better. Let's talk. We I'll you know we can talk about yesterday's game as well. And it's like we we never saw things like that with with Jay or with Mitch. It, it, like 
Jay had his funny little dry humor moments, but like Mitch had nothing. The only everyone only loved when he turned on his little lights on the Christmas on the Christmas sweater, and like even that oh, was robotic. He was like, "Would you like or to the, see the, or the, the lights?" Dit, the Ditka sweater. Oh yeah, the Ditka sweater. I mean, but didn't wasn't that like Ditka week? I think everyone had it's one. Just but fucking yeah, I mean, what regardless, like we're we're seeing that sort of personality from him. We're seeing like a a, a mature young professional, you know just continue to get better not only at, at the quarterback position but just like even in the media like the media i mean dare i say overwhelmingly likes him well when's the last well, who's the last quarterback that they liked in chicago like e e even even before you know jay sort of let the city down if you will like i remember after the first press conference when the bears traded for him like i was reading the sun times when newspapers were huge and uh was in, in the Tribune, and they were like bashing him, like he doesn't have to. He's not gonna. He's not built for Chicago. And it's like, God damn, he just got here. Like, what are you talking about? Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I mean, again, he um, he has shown us not only on the field but off the field that I I do think he's a franchise guy. I think when the team really started to buy, I think one of those moments you're talking about uh, and one of the more personable moments that I think gives us a really good insight to how Justin Fields looks at the game, takes his performance, his, his craft seriously was the game against the Atlanta Falcons. It was, the, it was that November game where he, if you'll remember, he apologized to the defense and the defense was like, stop, don't like, do not apologize. You have nothing to apologize for. Yeah. Like we, have you have you watched how bad we've been? <laughs> and uh, like Alan Williams was also saying again, he was like he was he said he was sad that he was apologizing. Um, and again, he said if you saw the way he works, saw the way he lifts up his teammates, like this is the defense talking about. You, we we heard the fractions, we saw the fraction happen when the defense with the Bears was giving up fucking. 10 points a game and the offense couldn't score more than six. And it was just like, what more do we need to do for Mitch? Like, what more do we need to do for you? And we've kind of seen that the defense really cares and respects Justin Fields just as much as he respects them. And I think that's huge. I think that was a really interesting introspective moment about who Justin Fields is as an NFL quarterback and as a leader of the team. But so I also I, think, I, I think it's, I think it's great. No, I, I think it's great. I agree. And, and, and the last thing there though, I also just think like, he's one of those dudes that at least as it stands, you know, it, it, he may get paid big and turn into a diva. That's liable to happen to anyone. Once you get like fucking 400 million bucks or whatever, you, whatever he's going to get paid whenever that time comes. Um, but I, I, you know, he's not going to be one of those dudes that throws anyone under the bus. I mean, like, look, look at what he had last year and in, in minicamp and everything. He's like, yeah, like, I, I love EQ and I love these guys. And it's like, really? Because we don't. Like, <laughs> but, I, I, you know, it, it's he's never going to. Well, I don't want to say never again, but at, right now he's not that guy. So I, I, I think, you know, after that, because wasn't that the Miami game where he just went ballistic and he was was that the same game where he was apologizing? Um he feels like he could still win those games. He feels like, you know, this is a one-score game. I'm supposed to be the franchise guy. This is on me. And he was wrong. It wasn't on him, but that's just the way he legitimately feels. Like, I, yeah. I don't think he's just getting up there apologizing after the defense fucking gave up another 30 ball. You know what I mean? Like, I, I legitimately think it's like, you guys did enough, and I should have won the game still, um, which is a great quality to have. But you're right. I, I think you're right. I think that was the moment. Maybe not the, like, the, the only moment, but that was, like, the one where they're like, Justin stop dude like you did everything you could this game like you're amazing we need to do better and that was when you know they realized that uh th th that was when the buy-in started to come in because i mean it, even if it would have been deserved what if he went up there and was like you guys fucking suck like you guys have to do better like i'm doing all this what if he were like we're to reel off his stats that would have gone off bad e even though he was right right you know what i mean like so like yeah. uh, a certain other quarterback with the new york jets who may have blamed his team for their performance, if you recall, Zach Wilson did uh, did that. Oh and yeah, that got him benched. Yeah. Well. Hmm. Weird. Uh, the other thing uh, that uh, Kevin Fishbane brought up was uh, Khalil Herbert, his performance. Um, just kind of talking to Khalil Herbert to get his thoughts on on how the Bears had handled um, the additions that they've made with uh, Dante Foreman, Travis Homer, uh, and drafting Roshan Johnson. 
Khalil Herbert basically said, yeah, it's the NFL. It's every team kind of does this now. You have multiple running backs. Um, but it sounds like he's happy with the challenge. It sounds like he's ready to um, take that next step. Uh, and, and he said he wanted to get a stronger core um, and, and really improve his pass protection, which it sounds like that's something that he's been um, seriously working on. And Frank, I know you'll love this. He did boxing. He boxed. He wanted to work on his punch time. So Good. Uh, Khalil Herbert understands that it's not just about running the football anymore in the NFL, right? It's it's being able to be versatile. Um, you have to be able to catch the football. You have to be able to block, especially in this Bears offense. Um, Frank, I, I got to be honest. Like David Montgomery leaving, you and I were kind of like, yeah, it is what it is. I kind of really like the Bears running back room right now. I, I kind of like where they're at. I do as well. I, I still I still think they're missing a pass catcher from from back yeah. there unless uh Roshan Johnson is is you know has this skill set that he just didn't show in college. Um but just as downhill nasty power runners, that's a nice little three-headed monster. And I, you know, I'm not expecting all three or maybe any of the three to have a thousand yards and they spread the ball out pretty well, but I mean it wouldn't shock me. Because I, I still think they're going to be a run-heavy football team this year. I think they'll throw a little bit more than last year, but they're going to rely heavily on the run again, do some play-action stuff, and get Justin out of the pocket. But it wouldn't shock me if all three of their numbers added up to you know eighteen hundred to two thousand yards, uh, with, with with a pretty even amount of touches between. Well, especially between Herbert and um, what was the uh, Jackie names are evading me today. The signing that they made from Carolina, Dante Foreman. Dante Foreman. I think those two will definitely split carries, and then Roshan will be the third down guy. He, he, it sounds like he's already the best blocker, you know, pass blocker of the group. So, dude, they know. love Roshan Johnson. I've never yeah. seen a team love a, love a running I, back I, no, more. I, I haven't seen any prospect get this type of love. His college coaches, <laughs> his opponents, his the the running back that got drafted, in, you know, in the first round. Like everyone loves him. Everyone loves him. I, I, like how how can that be a bad thing? Yeah. So, Agreed. no, but I, I, I agree with you. I really like the running back room, and, and we'd be remiss to not bring up our, the RB1, Justin Fields. You know, so really excited about what they got going on. Listen, Frankie, uh, we were, uh, I was, I was in a dynasty draft and I got, I got, uh, I got Dante Foreman in like the 15th round. I feel like I might've gotten the starter for, for the bears running back room. Like I think people are sleeping a little too hard on, on our, on our guy, Dante. I know people are excited about Khalil Herbert, especially outside of Chicago. We've talked about it a couple times. I think, you know, Khalil Herbert, I think he's like averaging like over five and a half yards per carry as an NFL running back, which is phenomenal. But he just doesn't have like that top end burst. Like he he can he can escape, but he can't really finish that well. I'm hoping maybe we'll see a little bit more of that this year as he gets more opportunities. Cause again, you know, and, and something else we need to see is can Luke Getze utilize multiple running backs in yep. the same offense? Cause that was one thing you and I were kind of getting frustrated with Luke Getze towards the end of the year was like, you know, we'd seen such good play from Khalil Herbert. And then David Montgomery comes back from being injured and it's just all David Montgomery all the time. Now, granted, a lot of that was what you were talking about. The pass protection, the team would get down by a ton and they would just need to throw the ball. So we'll see if there's a little bit more versatility, more uh, more even split amongst those running backs. So I think that'll be interesting to see. The very last thing Kevin Fishbane talked about was, Ke was uh, Cody Whitehair. Uh, we thought there was a chance that Cody Whitehair might not even be on the team. Uh, he is actually, uh, I believe, going to be a captain um, this year as the uh, starting center. Um, now, granted, he still could be a, a cap casualty. I doubt it will happen. It sounds, you know, they didn't draft a center. They didn't uh, sign a center. It sounds like this is kind of the direction that they want to go. Frankie, how do you feel about Cody Whitehair being your center? Are you still a little bit concerned about it? Uh, due to injuries, yeah. But I knew it was going to be a thing as soon as the Bears didn't draft one. As soon as we passed up on the couple that we really liked, we were sort of texting back and forth thinking that it was going to be, uh, you know, the Bears' the next picks and to be a center, and it just didn't happen. Um, it only makes sense. Like, what, you're, you're going to drop him and, and do what? Get, like, another undrafted guy, and you have a, another Sam Mustafer. I know Lucas Pat uh, Patrick is still there, but it sounds like they're dead set on him being the backup at this point. Um, 
but uh, which to me only provides really good depth. I know he didn't play great at guard last year, but if there is an injury there, he can plug in there. Or if Whitehair uh, gets hurt for whatever reason, like he has been, that's a really good backup to have. So, I mean, the, the writing was on the wall there. I wasn't expecting anything um, anything more or less. But I, I, I do think that's where the, uh, the Bears having so much cap space plays in their favor because people were even talking about Eddie Jackson. They were like, if he was on almost any other team, he would have been a cap casualty. He's making way too much money for the way he's performed the last couple of years. You can probably say the same thing for Cody Whitehair. He, he, his... his uh, performance has dropped off the last two, three seasons, but you have all this cap and it's like, why just get rid of someone and have dead money? Let's plug this hole for another year and then continue to draft, you know, uh, just positions that are, are in much worse uh, places than center. So not surprising at all, but but it actually, Jack, it leads to, to, to my question of you and you can answer your own as well because this is the only thing that I, I came to the episode with. Um, isn't it a little bit weird that a three-win team essentially has no camp battles at all. There's not a single camp battle going into this camp or the preseason or anything. Like, that would have been the one that I would have thought, Lucas Patrick versus Whitehair, but they're essentially giving Whitehair the job. Yeah. Kevin Jenkins is a lock at left guard. The corners seem to be set after the Tyreek Stevenson. I think there would have been a little bit of a battle had they not drafted one. Safeties are are, are set. Who is who is fighting for anything? Maybe like lower end, like Vellis Jones, maybe on the bubble. You know what I mean? Like there's something to that, but like yeah, there I are would no say... battles, and that's like has I don't ever remember this being a thing for a team that just only won three games. Yeah, I, I would say probably the depth positions. Maybe right. maybe the highest profile one is going to be corner two, um, Tyreek Stevenson and and, uh, and Terrell Smith. Um, the other maybe being the edge rusher between Travis Gibson and, and Dominique Robinson. Um, Travis Gibson bears sound very high on him still um, to see if maybe a year, you know, an extra, a full off season in this, you know, another full off season, I should say in this spot, hand in the dirt, things like that. Can he get back to being the type of prospect that the, he was originally drafted as maybe the Noah Sewell, Jack Sanborn. That may be battle. the one. Yep. That You're one right, right I there. Forgot about them. I know that Sanborn was uh he missed some practice. He was he might uh might be hurt a little bit still. We'll see. Um I apologize. Kevin Fishbane actually had a couple more things. He basically just Tyreek Stevenson picking off Justin Fields. Um John Hoke really liked him. Um Terrell Smith talked about him as well. They really like Terrell Smith, man. He he might be uh a, a sleeper in terms of uh um, he was a you know fifth rounder? Fifth round pick out of Minnesota. Maybe they just have an, they, an infatuation with fifth rounders, Braxton Jones, and now that might just be their sweet spot. Yeah, yeah. Noah Sewell was a fifth round pick. Yep. Darnell Mooney was a fifth round pick. That just uh, Travis Gibson was a fifth round pick. Maybe that's just where they they make their money in the fifth yeah. round. But I mean, but, e- uh, even like even the interior, uh, you know, they, they uh, Jervon and um, the other the other defense Zach Pickens. Zach Pickens. It sounds like they're pretty slated to be depth guys at least right now. Because it right sounds behind like Billings and, and Justin behind Jones. Billings and Justin Jones, but I mean they've been very impressed with Billings from what I've heard. So yeah, well he's gigantic. He's I mean, I mean we knew what we were getting. I mean that that that's the run stuffer. That is the you know Ted Washington of uh, the Lovey Smith days. And then uh, the last thing, Frank, is uh, the the new kickoff rule. For uh, if you didn't know this, Bears fans didn't know the Bears actually voted against this uh, new kickoff rule. Uh, it allows returners to call for a fair catch and the ball will be set at the 25 yard line. Uh, Richard Hightower, the special teams, uh, he said he didn't want to get into it. He's just trying to figure it out strategically. Um, what do you think about this rule, Frank? What, what do you think about the NFL basically completely nixing the, uh, the, the fair catch rule? Because it sounds like you can kind of just call a fair catch like the two and it would still be a 25 you'll still get the ball at the 25 yard line what what do you think about the kickoff rule and and you know how do you think it might impact the bears given their return specialists so i i felt the exact same way when they started to take away the wedge blocking and even like moving it up five yards or ten yards whatever it was where the kicker kicks from the the, the wedge blocks get rid of those I, I was all on board anytime you can limit the amount of head injuries that are on the field Go for it, and then there was a lot of studies and things, right? Uh, that you know, a lot of um, the head trauma was coming on special teams, like that was where the, the bulk of it was coming from in that time. 
Um, but we're at the point now, it's like, why aren't we just coming to this natural conclusion and just taking the kickoff away, starting every team at the 20 or the 25? Right? Like, what, like, I, I, that it's going to suck. It's going to, you know, get specialists out of jobs and things, but it sort of is what it is at this point. I mean, like, punting is still there, so your, your return guy, he, he would just be your punt returner, but just get rid of it, man. Like, what? Why is it still here? You're, you're you're trying to make it safe to a point where it's essentially non-existent, because like I mean they're, they're just when you watch from a week to week on a week to week basis, these kickers now can kick the ball so fucking far that for the first like twelve weeks of the season they're all kicking out of the end zone. You don't really get returns until their legs are fatigued, or like maybe late in games you'll you'll get a couple because their legs are fatigued if they kicked you know uh, a few field goals or whatever. But like just get rid of it, man. Like what? Why are we delaying this? That, that, that's where this is going. It's going to be gone within the next five to 10 years. So let's just do it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think, uh, I mean, it, it really hurts a guy like Valus Jones and his ability to make an impact on this football team, unless he's ultimately improved as a, a wide receiver specifically. Um, I mean, Again, it's it's your you, you can choose to do a fair catch or not. So it's not like it's it's being forced on you. But you know, it, it really devalues a guy like Valus Jones. Yep. A, a guy who who's already fighting to, you know, to make the, the the team now that they drafted another wide receiver. They have a guy who's a little bit more versatile in Dante Pettis when it comes to punt returning. Like unless Valus can improve his punt returning skills, which, you know, something he really struggled with. What value does he have on the, uh, on the bears roster? If the kickoffs don't really even really even matter at that point. Well, I mean that, that would call for a, probably a union conversation of like severance packages, right? Like guys who that is their role. You'd have to like buy their contract out or, or some, something of the sort, something like that would have to happen. I would assume they, they, they don't unionize for no reason. Um, but no, you're right. And that, that's what I was saying. Like, it, it's going to suck for people who, I mean, like what, what would that have done to Devin Hester back in the day? He still would have been a phenomenal kick returner. We know he that. I just never but, called for a fair catch. <laughs> well, no, I, I right. I, but the, the fair catch thing, of course, but I'm just saying like when it does end, cause there's kickoffs are going to not be a thing. It's just, it is what it is. Um, so yeah, that's I don't know. Wild it's, it's, that, that like, so literally anywhere you call for a fair catch, it could be well, that, literally on the two yard line and it, you get the ball at the 25 yard line. That's crazy. That's crazy to me. I also, I, that to me is also kind of stupid though, because more times than not, if you catch the ball at the two on a kickoff, it was a line drive kick. Like you're not popping that up that way. That's the time to take the ball, but like you're going to get past the 25 probably if you're a solid returner. You know what I mean? So, but no, I, 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 I guess I didn't touch on what I thought about the actual rule. I kind of, I sort of skipped over it and talked about how I think it just, you know, it needs to come to an ending, but you know, the, the rule itself is very dumb. I, I'm, I'm having a hard time understanding what this does. I, again, I, they're probably framing it in, in the, you know, with, with the player safety in mind. But again, that's, that, that's what, that's what led me to like, if that's your point, just take it away. Just take kickoffs yeah. away if, if you want, you know, players to be more safe. Yeah, and and outside of that, that was pretty much it from the from the OTA article. Um, it sounds like the Bears are in a good spot. They have uh, it sounds like seemingly they're happy with their depth, especially in the defensive back area. Which, like, hopefully, because we need these guys to hit, they need to be impact players so that the Bears can start focusing on the defensive line this next off season, which is still crucial. Uh, there's a couple of names out there that have been floating around. The bears might be interested in going to get a guy like chase young. Sounds like Ron Rivera still looks at him as a, as a starter for their team as a you know potential future player. But like that specifically, the commanders have just spent so much fucking money on they're, they're, they're like the exact opposite of the, if we could just have the commander's defensive line on the bears, this team would probably win 10 games. Yeah. Right. I agree. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, fuck, if you just go out and get chase young, that makes change the total landscape of what's happening. If he can stay healthy, of course, but 
I mean, that's what that defense is missing is a pass rush right now. It's a, it's a good time to be a Bears fan, Frank. I, I, I like, I, I appreciate that the optimism, there's always like that, that hint of like, you're just kind of reaching not quite the end of the tunnel of the rebuild, but you're starting to see the light, right? And there's things to really be excited about. Um, and I know a lot of, of Bears fans still think it all comes down to Justin Fields, which I think is absolutely correct. Uh, but I, again, I don't know how you could be upset about what Ryan Poles has done to give Justin Fields the opportunity to prove that he is the leader. He is the franchise quarterback moving forward. You potentially are going to have two top 10 picks in the first round again. Bears are set up for some success. Dude, Frank. could you imagine? Could you imagine if, if the Panthers are just awful, we get the first pick again? Listen, I know people are excited about their roster for some reason, maybe not excited, maybe excited isn't the right word to, to use, but um, they did add some NFL talent, right? Adam Thielen, you know, DJ Chark, who I know you really like Miles Sanders. They've had a good, you know, they had a good defense last year. Their offensive line was improved. I just don't see how that team is, is going to be that good. Like I think people are overrating Frank Reich, and, and this is coming from a guy who really liked Frank Reich in his time with Indianapolis. But, I mean, you just look at Bryce Young, man. Like, he's, he's, so, he's so small. He's very small. He's so he's small. very small. I mean, I, I don't think I don't think they're going to have, unless injuries are crazy, I don't think they're going to have the first pick. I, I still think they're a way better team than Arizona. The Cardinals, the Cardinals yeah. are, are going to have the first and possibly the second overall pick. Probably, yeah. But <laughs> a man can dream. A man they, can dream. The Panthers, they, they should have they should get us in the top ten. And then the Bears would probably be right outside the top ten. Maybe fifteen, yeah. fourteen. Unless unless Justin takes that that step and this yeah. team just explodes and this team just ends up being a twelve win football team. Well, I, I mean, could you imagine you win the Super Bowl, you get the thirty second pick, and then you have like a a top. I mean, just what the Eagles just did. They lost. I was literally Super Bowl, just but, gonna say, gee, if yeah, only a you get team number five or something, that'd be crazy. <laughs> I would just like, first of all, we get to see it this year, regardless, as long as injuries don't happen. But a Patrick Mahomes, Justin Fields, Super Bowl, I think would just be incredible. And if the Bears do beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, like we never have to talk about not having Patrick Mahomes ever again. That's something to look forward to. Well, I mean, we won't. Will the national media ever shut the fuck up about it? If Justin Fields beats Patrick Mahomes in a Super Bowl, I think I think that'll take care of that conversation. I would hope so, but they're just they're inept. They talk about the same things every <laughs> single fucking year. You know who doesn't do that, Frank? The Bear With Us podcast. You're goddamn right. The guy on the right. The guy on the right. The guy who won't stop wearing those fucking headphones that break the brain. Sorry again. Apologize. But we do appreciate everybody for listening. As always, this has been the Bear With Us podcast. We'll be back next week to talk a little bit more football. Depends. We'll see. You know, maybe maybe the Jersey conversation will happen because I've been thinking about it nonstop, Frank. Let's thinking do about it, it yeah. nonstop. The Seahawks just announced they're wearing their '90s throwbacks with like the light blue and the silver pants and the, you know, that. Do I know look. that jersey. You should because it was the Curtis Martin jerseys. I, I think even Sean it. Alexander may have worn them back in the day too. I got to see him. I don't remember. I could be wrong, but you do have to see him. Anyways, we appreciate you guys listening. We'll talk to you guys next week. Later, Frankie. Later, Jackie. Later, everybody. Everybody!